Well, it's a bad situation, I'll tell you, for Joseph. He really didn't get out of this one very good, but God was with him. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are looking at Genesis chapter 39 today. We'll do that in about five minutes time as we go through the Bible. This is a fascinating read, but today, Corey is here. Corey? That's right. I'm going to be taking a look at Judah, the man, not the tribe. Ryan? Well, today I discover what life was like for an Egyptian military commander living in the time of the patriarchs. I'm talking about Potiphar, the captain of the guard. Yeah, he was. Uh, it's very interesting, too. Uh, Janice? Today it's Friday. That means we have a fun Friday wrap-up question. I'm going to ask anywhere between Genesis 21 and Genesis 40, so be ready here and at home. All right, so break out the Bible and let's listen to what God is saying to us. Genesis 39, 1 through 14. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was, from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused, and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time, when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand, and fled, and ran outside. And so it was, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, and fled outside, that she called to the men of her house, and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 14. 
Genesis chapter 38, chapter 39, and chapter 40 is what we read today as we continue to go through the Bible. It is really an interesting read because we're talking about Joseph's story. This is something. Well, he's a young man. He's had the dreams. We talked about that on the last program. Captured by his brothers now because they don't like him. Joseph was mistreated and sold to the Ishmaelites who brought slaves to resell to the people in Egypt, a rich and well-established nation. Sold to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard, Joseph nevertheless did well because the Lord was with him. Joseph refused to live in the bitterness and the anger, and it was clear to Potiphar that God had made all that Joseph did prosper. Joseph earned his place and trust as the overseer of all of Potiphar's household. Now there's Potiphar's wife. She began to lust after Joseph, who was a handsome man. And over time, she made attempts to lure him, but he resisted every time because of his commitment to God first and then to his friends. This young Hebrew man was a subject among the established Egyptian culture, and he had proven himself. Satan, the enemy of our souls, what he did is he tried to interfere and eliminate Joseph from the plans and the will of God. Can't do it. Satan did not triumph, although at times it certainly looked that way. Joseph's story is very dramatic, and Joseph's story is deeply moving today. And I want to tell you something, if ever you wanted to hear the drama of the Bible and the stories in the historical narratives, this is one of those stories. Early drama in Genesis, Genesis chapter 39. Take your Bible guide and turn there. And if you don't have one, write to us or call us or go to Bible Discovery TV and click on it. It'll take you to a donate page. Thank you for your donations. And you can download it. It'll take you to a page where you can download the PDF file. And then what will happen is it'll display on your computer exactly how it is printed. Now, this is really interesting because this gets to the interesting part of Joseph's life. Father, I pray today as we explore the life of Joseph that you would show us your ways and teach us your paths. Now, Lord, there's a lot of things in the way. In our human souls, we've been busy. There's lots of things that have happened. But Lord, help us to settle our minds down and listen to your word today. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen. Now let's look at the Bible on the screen and listen to what the Lord is saying. It says in Genesis 39, beginning with verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph and he was successful, a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Okay, this is important. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. And then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had 
that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. I mean, Potiphar thought this was great. This is awesome. Why was because the Lord was with Joseph, capital L-O-R-D. The Lord God was with Joseph. God is always with us, beloved, no matter where we are. Now, now get the picture of this. Joseph is a slave. He's, he's bought by someone like property. And he, he belongs to this person, yet God was with him. And because God was with him, he, the, the person who bought him saw that. There was a difference in him and thought, okay, this is, this is unique. I'm going to allow him to control my stuff because he is, the, he is gifted by the Lord God of heaven. Now think about that for a minute because everybody talks about not being a slave, but just think about this a minute. This is Joseph. This is the, the, the one who, who leads Israel uh, into the land of Egypt. It's amazing. Let's read on. 30, verse, uh, chapter 39, verse 6. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hands, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me, come and sleep with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is here or what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great wickedness, and look at this line, and sin against God? Now, Joseph had a strong commitment to God above all. He turned down the opportunity for pleasure because it was wrong in the eyes of God. Do, do you understand this? He's not mad because he was sold into slavery. He's not upset because his brothers beat him up and threw him in the pit. He's not upset because he's in this house. God has blessed him. God is with him. Somehow, Joseph's spirit was able to handle these things and trust in God. Somehow that spirit in him responded to the Holy Spirit. That's very important, beloved. And that's what he felt. But that didn't stop Satan. Watch this. 39 verse 10. So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed to her, to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time that when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled, ran outside the house. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, see, he has brought into us, a Hebrew, to mock us. And he came in to lie down with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. Wow. Potiphar's wife used Joseph's conviction in order to trap him in a lie. God will deliver us from trouble. He is with us. Remember that. We will be delivered from trouble. God is with us. And 
the Satan will use God's faithfulness that we're trying to demonstrate. He'll use it against us. I can tell you there are so many personal examples of this that I have. But God, if we stay faithful, no matter how bad it looks through time, God corrects all those things that were set against us and wrong and turns it to right. And it's so much better when we stay faithful to the Lord. Beloved, stay faithful to God today. The Lord will help us if we are faithful to him in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And today in Genesis chapter 39, we read about Joseph as a slave in Egypt. But today I'm not focusing primarily on Joseph, but rather on the one who purchased him, Potiphar. Now looking at this account from his perspective brings to light some really interesting details that we don't want to miss. Though perhaps he knew not whom he had purchased, Potiphar would soon discover that he had gotten a lot more than he bargained for in Joseph. Indeed, though the young Hebrew had gone from prince to pauper, and from choice of the sons to choice of the slaves, and though he had been betrayed and abandoned by his older brothers, still the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. Even as an Egyptian pagan and commander of Pharaoh's army, Potiphar, whose name means the gift of Ra, could clearly see that God was with Joseph and that he made everything he did to prosper. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Soon the trust would become so total that he would put Joseph in authority over his whole house and all his possessions. Not surprisingly, from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. This was an outworking of the Abrahamic covenant in its blessing aspect. Potiphar blessed Joseph the Jew so God in turn blessed Potiphar. So Potiphar left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. And this exception regarding the bread was not because Potiphar did not trust Joseph in the serving of bread, but it was an Egyptian custom. Egyptians did not eat with foreigners, nor allow foreigners to eat their food. Unfortunately, this total trust he had in Joseph would be broken for a time due to the false charge brought against him by Potiphar's own wife. Though it was she who had repeatedly attempted to have an affair with Joseph, his repeated refusals eventually drove her to falsely accuse him of the attempted affair. For this, Potiphar has Joseph arrested and cast into the royal prison. The fact that he does not have him executed is interesting, since he was not only a commander in Pharaoh's army, but also the captain of the guard, a term literally meaning the chief of the executioners. Legally, Potiphar could have executed Joseph. It seems, perhaps, that he was not fully convinced of his wife's story. Although Joseph was now imprisoned and trust was now lost, this was not the end of Joseph and Potiphar's relationship. Though he is not mentioned again by name in the narrative, Potiphar is mentioned by title. 
Indeed, it was the captain of the guard who would eventually entrust the chief butler and baker into Joseph's care within the prison, which shows that he regained trust from Potiphar. The living lord was with Joseph wherever he went, and this pagan Egyptian commander witnessed this fact firsthand. You know, I really don't think that Potiphar believed his wife's story. Maybe he even sort of knew the kind of woman that she was in that regard. And maybe, just maybe, that's what saved Joseph's life. Because if he was 100% convinced that Joseph had committed this act, then as the chief of the executioners, he definitely would have had him put to death. But Joseph had integrity and he served his God, the one true God, no matter what the situation. And Potiphar, this pagan Egyptian military commander, got to see and experience that firsthand. This serves as a reminder for us all to trust the Lord no matter what our situation and to obey his commands. When we do that, God blesses us and those around us. And you know what? People notice. You know, Ryan, it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting because a lot of people don't pay attention to the details in the story of Joseph. And uh, it, it's fascinating that Potiphar was the chief of the executioners. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was just telling you guys in the break, sometimes I like to look at it from uh, other people's perspectives. Like most people would look at it from Joseph's perspective mm-hmm. and, you know, oh, poor Joseph. But I, I just wanted to switch and look at look at it from his perspective. It's you know, So he didn't really kill him, but he goes to, he sends him to prison. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now in prison, you know, the Lord is with him and helps. Well, him yeah, he, get, he has favor there as well, too. So he, in God fact, is with he does. Him. And yeah. it's through translation of a dream that Pharaoh has that uh, he changes, everything changes. And then his dreams come true later on. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, okay, uh, Corey. Okay, we're going to be taking a look at Judah today because he shows up pretty integrally in this Joseph account, but it's easy to overlook him or think that the Bible's being a little bit strange when it talks about Judah. So let's just jump right into it. So we're first introduced to Judah as the fourth son of Jacob and Leah. And up until Judah's birth, Leah had been hoping to earn Jacob's favor by the birth of their sons. But Judah's birth marked a shift for Leah, uh, which her naming of Judah actually represents. His name means praise. For this time, Genesis tells us, Leah accepted that God had loved her by blessing her regardless of what her husband Jacob thought. So this time she chose to praise the Lord, Judah. The next time we see Judah in scripture, we realize that he too needs a change of character. In Genesis 37, it was Judah's idea to sell his younger brother Joseph into slavery. Now, this idea did save Joseph's life, of course, but Judah's motivation seems to have been pretty dark. Selling Joseph kept the brothers from the guilt of murder, and they would even make some money on the side. Then we have the account of Judah and Tamar that serves to drive home Judah's poor character and overall lack of righteousness. So Genesis 38 begins by telling us that Judah leaves his brothers to go and start a family. So this is telling us that Judah would now be the father, the patriarch, who is responsible for the economic, social, and moral well-being of this branch of his family. But a bit surprisingly, Judah marries a Canaanite woman. Makes me think that maybe the family had been turned off from marrying from their own clan by their father Jacob's bad experiences, right? Now, if we're to see Judah in a dubious moral light here with selling his own brother and marrying a Canaanite, the Bible clearly does portray his sons as wicked. He has three of them, Ur, Onan, and Shelah. 
Now, as the patriarch, Judah arranges Ur's marriage to a woman named Tamar, but we're told that Ur was so wicked that God put him to death. So Judah then does what he should have to provide for Tamar. She was societally dependent on having a man in her life for survival. So Judah has his next son take Tamar into his household in Livrite marriage to provide a male son that would take Ur's inheritance and secure provision and protection for Tamar. We know the story though. This guy was also evil and God put him to death. But the depth of Judah's poor character is then revealed. He makes the wrong judgment. He blames Tamar for the death of his sons. She's clearly the problem. She's evil. She's cursed by God, Judah thinks. My sons are good men, even though they're clearly not. Judah lies to Tamar and sends her away, a woman who's directly dependent on him for survival. A long time later, after his wife's death, Judah visits a city near Tamar. She veils herself like a prostitute and tricks Judah not only into sleeping with her, but in giving her his very items of authority, his seal, cord, and staff. So his signet seal was his authoritative signature. Whoever had it could do business in his name. The cord probably refers to how the seal was carried, and the staff was likely carried by Judah to mark him as the patriarch of the family. So Tamar, perhaps the most vulnerable member of Judah's household, now had his very authority. Judah was willing to trade his responsibility for lust, and Tamar was forcing Judah to provide for her, which was his duty in the first place. When Tamar is found pregnant, Judah has no problem exercising his authority to condemn her to death. He wouldn't save her, but he has no problem killing her. Then Tamar's wisdom is revealed. She presents the seal, cord, and staff. By her deception, Tamar has saved Judah the guilt of her destitution. His foolishness in giving his authority away is publicly revealed, as is his failure to provide for Tamar. Judah has a character-changing moment, and he declares, she is more righteous than I. The next time we see Judah is in Genesis 43, when he takes personal responsibility for the safety of Benjamin on the journey to Egypt. Judah leads the delegation of Jacob's sons back to Egypt. He acts as their spokesperson to Joseph and refuses to allow Benjamin to become a slave, offering himself as slave in Benjamin's place. Judah is now a man who takes his responsibilities seriously and acts righteously. Upon the entire family's return to Egypt, it's Judah that Jacob sends ahead of them. He has become the leader of the family. So rather than us believing he's always been equal to the task, the biblical author chose to record his character development, showing how God had taken a wicked leader and turned him into a righteous one. An important point for the man who founded the tribe, the future kings of the nation would actually come from. This is Judah, and the tribe Judah. of Judah is, of course, the, the, the fascinating tribe of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, th this is absolutely stunning and amazing when you begin to understand this character development idea. Because you read it and you're like, well, why are we, why are we reading about Judah? Like, what, what Yeah, is, we're know? in the middle of the Joseph story and it and jumps then, over to Judah. Yeah, it's like, mm -hmm. yeah. what's that about? And yeah. then you, you begin to understand, oh, and I at the see. end of it all, Judah's leading the whole family into <laughs> Egypt. And he's not the firstborn, he's the fourthborn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really something, I'll tell you. Uh, so that's a fascinating study. Thank you, Corey.
All right, Janice, this is it. Well, yes, and just before that, you and Matlock do a recap weekend edition, don't we you? We sure do. Yep, we sure do. So if you hop on over to my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Corey Babechko, you can see a recap of the show, and you can see a discussion about all the different issues that come up. We even do some Q&As where we answer your questions about the scripture. So head on over there if you're interested. Very good. All right. So now we get to the question. If you're a new viewer, every Friday, I take the portions of scripture that we're assigned in the Bible guide and I put it all together and I choose a question from that package and I put Corey and Ryan on the hot seat for the answer, but you're also there too. And we have a lot of people who uh, who play along with us and, and learn a lot. So let me just say, I know the answer because this one I memorized a long time all right. ago. <laughs> okay, all right. So here, it's a very short question. Okay. How old was Sarah when she died? How old was Sarah when she died? 107, 117, or 127? 107, 117, or 127. What do you You guys, think? yeah, you think you know we're, we're fairly confident yeah, on we're this We're fairly one. confident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, answer number, number three. three. So going with yeah. number three? 127. Well, I don't know what you guessed at home, but if you guessed 107, that's not the right answer. If you guessed 117, that's not the right answer. But if you guessed number three, 127, you are absolutely right. Congratulations. And from now on, like Rod, you'll remember that answer. Here it is in Genesis 23, verse 1. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. Very, Very good. good. Now, do you know how old Adam was, the first man, when he died? <laughs> 900 and old. something. I, I can't you're, you're exactly you're close. Oh, I, I close. can't remember the exact old. number, but he was. <laughs> if my less, fingers less represented tens, it would be nine hundred and thirty. It's going to say less than a thousand, more than nine hundred. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. How old was Abraham? Oh goodness! <laughs> <laughs> that's a question. I'm going to leave that for somebody to uh, respond to in the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Email me the answer to that question if you think you know what it is. <laughs> oh goodness! How old? Look, just look it up in the Bible, actually. <laughs> How old was Abraham when he died? Very, very interesting. Okay, Uh, let's get on to the program. These are prayer requests that people have sent in, and let's pray for them in Watch and Pray. I just briefly want to invite you to come and join us on YouTube. Look for Pastor Rod Hembry, Pastor Rod Hembry, because I answer Bible questions there called Ask the Pastor. You can ask your question if you subscribe to it and leave your question. We'll do our best and we'll, we'll, we answer your questions on a weekly basis. So check out PastorRodHembry.com. Today, let's pray. Lord, help me to stay faithful in my life to your commands and to your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, Make it so. 